There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast with myself, Dane Baptiste, comedian, writer, and uh, aspiring polymath. And uh, my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka the Hizza. Hello. And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. We are talking everything from from do handkerchiefs still have a place in the twenty first century? I've been I, thinking about that a lot this week. I'd say yeah. Why not? Yeah. You got tissues? Did tissues? You use tissues? Tissues, tissues as well. I Obvious, guess. But arguably. A handkerchief, a snot rag. Do you have a snot rag? In I don't there? have a snot. But maybe for, the, for the, if my brow becomes moistened, then uh, I can you're use in a it. profession where moist yeah, brows exactly. do occur. Or like. You know what? I've, I discovered pocket squares. They're really good at wiping right. sweat. Like if you go to like you know a particular occasion, right. sway, silk, yeah, the like silk, thing, yeah, yeah, or satin like pocket square. Okay, very absorbent, more than I thought. So okay, handkerchiefs can exist. Those are the kind of questions. I feel like we'll look maybe at. we should probably not make any more because I feel like there was required <laughs> resource resource consumption to make more handkerchiefs. Yeah, I feel like we got a surplus of handkerchiefs. Yeah, handkerchiefs is the plural form of handkerchief. I'm assuming. I think so. Handkerchiefs. Chiefs. Chiefs, yeah. So we're also talking so we're talking everything from uh, <laughs> accessories to etymology exactly. on the show. Uh, we ask all the questions. All the questions that need to be asked. Never be too shy. If you enjoyed the show and the questions that we ask on said show, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. With that being said, on today's show, our guest is a composer, artistic director, conductor, academic, violinist, and filmmaker of Jamaican descent. Her output as a composer encompasses symphonies, ballets, operas, concertos, as well as music for TV, film, and theatre. Her new work, New Nation Rising, a 21st century symphony, meant she became the first woman in Europe to have a composed and conducted a symphony within the last 40 years. As an academic, she is currently reader and head of composition and performance at the University of Westminster. She was named on the power list of most influential black people in Britain from 2010 to 2017. In the 2019 New Year Honours, she was given an OBE for her services to music. So very clearly, suffice it to say, we are not worthy. It's the wonderful <laughs> Dr. Shirley Thompson. Hello, Chibo. Hello. That Dane list, and Howard. That list is unbelievable. Dr. Thompson, you are you are life goals, seriously. Yeah, that is honestly... Sh- I, I often... I, that, you were going to be the first two-pager. I always yeah. fit it into one page. Really? I had to shrink the font size down because there's so much to say about you. It's incredible. There's so much. Oh, that's very kind. There's so much to say. I mean, and, it's uh, almost impossible to pick one of them out, right? Because there's just so many things. I've, I mean, it might definitely change my brain on the question anyway, but... Uh, I mean, is there anything left you want to do artistically? <laughs> what have you not there's achieved? There's loads, there's loads. That's cool. Um, I, I love the spirit. Seriously. There's loads. I mean, I can remember a mate of mine saying to me about 20 years ago, because um, I said to him at that point, I'd performed at the Royal Albert Hall, Royal um, Festival Hall, all the major venues. And uh, I said, look, I've done all this. I've done it all, haven't I? my naivety and he said to me well you've got to set yourselves other goals I thought, okay mm. yes so i always remember that <laughs> yeah no, terry like, jervis if you're listening i like that approach though i like yeah, i like i like yeah. the approach of you you'd set the goals and achieve them that's right i think that you you dealt with it very well a lot of time when people like get to a milestone there's a bit of envy when they're like what do i do now but at least you were like i feel very content mm. but then i guess you have a much more broad <laughs> you have a much broader bucket list in terms of achievements um it's a, it was a remarkable mix i mean how was it getting the thing from the the, the queen <laughs> <laughs> um gosh that's that's a huge story this isn't one of our questions by the way this no, isn't no. A question. Every, we're just chatting because we're oh, fascinated we're just chatting. yeah we're just chat- <laughs> this is just a just okay, i think you're the first obe yeah, we've had not, on the show and oh. arguably the one of the most accomplished people we've had on the show. Oh, yeah. so, very kind of you to say. Very I, kind I, of you I to feel say. like just by me even opening my mouth and speaking to you, I'm patronizing. 
feel completely. Is this you on your best behaviour? Is that what me on my absolute best behaviour? I thought something was wrong. I sense you know being not polite, not extra polite, just really. No, no, the politeness is because this is like this is this is just reverence. What you've done, there's nothing. Through an era, and also it's through an era. I think is that I think it's quite particularly pertinent to us. Exactly. We often talk about our era being this kind of world of opportunity whereas you know i guess that wasn't always the the case not at all not at all um well i have to credit my amazing mother who um never saw barriers to anything she's a strong jamaican woman tiny Mm -hmm. she's not even five feet oh really um, really really small lady but um she's indom she i mean she's a lot she's indomitable and um i always watched the way that she had to navigate her life. Yeah. Um, so by the age of 30, she'd had five children and we were all just a year apart and she was had no mother in the country. Well, her mother passed away. She had no father. Um, and she was the only one doing everything. So she had no relatives coming over from Jamaica, um, no relatives. And she had to make everything happen she got the house, she got us all into school, she navigated us going through school, she navigated things that, in the hospital where the doctors were always trying to push her around. And, mm. and we used to, I used to hear all these stories and think, oh, I felt like a little shrimp compared to her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was always, you know, you must stand up for yourself and you must be your best self. And um, so I think I got a lot of it from her. And my father worked seven days a week, 18-hour days. And so that between the two of them, I think all my family got the kind of work ethic Mm -hmm. and um, we just felt that we had to do, you know, represent what they had achieved, um, how they'd worked so hard. We had to do better and show that we could do something. And I think it was inspiring. It was really inspiring. I felt I feel I just feel always inspired by um, what they achieved from nothing. I mean, they had nothing. Mm. Uh, They I mean, they came over here both highly. Well, my mother was really highly educated, but um, they came with nothing, mm-hmm. a suitcase. And, mm. you know, my mother, when she went back to Jamaica, she travelled back with her 40-foot container <laughs> of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that, a, a life experience which she really um, developed for herself. Yeah. She had nobody to help. She had, I don't remember seeing her having been able to ask anybody about anything. And she she and had she, to do everything and, for herself. What year did she uh, immigrate to the UK? Um, she came here in 62. Yeah, so... I think my parents were 60, 67. Oh. Yeah, about 67. Right. And just to give people context, like Martin Luther King was assassinated in 1968. Oh, so you can imagine the uh, zeitgeist at the time when she came. Yeah, oh my gosh. Of, yeah, lends to the achievements yeah. as well. Yeah. I feel yeah. like I feel like for my generation especially, we definitely, uh, I guess we envisage a uh, a real low glass ceiling at the time. Mm-hmm, but yes. Which is why I say that, you know, to... to uh, to speak to someone who said, you know, the first thing is having a mind unfettered and and uh, drive without any kind of limitation. Mm, yeah, so yeah, lot that's of, right. A lot of resilience considering the, t- at the time. Yes, so, yes. So it's so inspirational. Yes. Um, yes. So how's your day been today? What have you been up yeah, to? Yeah, terrific. Um, looking out of my Stratford window, looking at the rain and the <laughs> cloud. <laughs> is that how the creative process you find? Because in comedy, because like, obviously the... Uh, the observational aspect to it. Mm. So the process of people watching and seeing people go about their days in a metropolis is always can be always good aesthetic for yes. inspiration. But is there a particular state? Yeah, that Well, I I go about doing my usual household chores and thinking, <laughs> um, which I didn't have to do all this, um, and trying to fit in all my other stuff around it. So I I have a lot of schoolwork to do. So that's really taking up a lot oh, okay. of my time at the moment. Um, but I'm, I am also thinking about my creative projects and trying to get those off the ground so i'm at that stage where i am trying to get those off the ground and i actually spend a lot of my time on the business of getting projects off the ground so raising the money and Mm. getting the space to put things on so uh, that's where i am at the moment so it's not that nice bit when i can sit at sit at my screen and put notes on the screen um i I like to i probably spend 10 percent of my time doing that unfortunately i'd like to get to a time when i can do more of that um but you need to know the business of you need to know the industry and that's how it is and i get on with it so the more autonomy the better in your case 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I've created that space for myself where I, I try to get things off the ground and I um, I had nobody in front of me to say, do this or do that. I've had to create my own kind of structures. I can very much relate. <laughs> comedy comedy has very much gone that way. Yeah. And, then, and also a big part of my journey has been like having to create my own lane and uh, yeah, yeah mm. and like work adroitly with my manager so far as creating an agency which would be able to allow me to realise my own uh, artistic endeavours rather than dilute and mould them into what, you know, yeah, the state of quo was. Yeah, and entirely. Then yeah. A lot, lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of uh, trailblazing, which I'm, I'm sure you can definitely relate to. Mm. It's by the list of achievements. Um, <laughs> Not intentionally. I mean, when I was oh, writing yeah. my symphony, I didn't think, oh, I'm the first person to write the symphony. I had no idea. I thought everybody was writing. I thought all composers, classical composers, mm. were sitting there writing symphonies. I yeah. had no idea. It sounds like it makes sense to me. I thought that's what you do <laughs> during your day. And it's available, it's available to listen to on lot. Oh, is it still? Is, oh, yeah, yeah, it's on so Apple. So we could probably play a, a small sample right now, couldn't we? Yeah, Danny? it's on Apple. It's on, yeah, it's on iTunes. It, let's, it's on. Editor, let's play a sample right now. Sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> Very good. Amazing. Very good. I, uh, I'm happy I can now name a classical composer that I enjoy. Oh, thank you <laughs> so <laughs> much. Thank you. I mean, I'm sorry, Chopin, but yeah. you know how it is, buddy. You missed his last tour, didn't you? That's yeah, what? I was a little late for that one. Yeah. So It's probably time for a question. It is. Uh, oh. Again, uh, Dr. Thompson, thank you so much for coming. Uh, you are welcome. If you want to know how the format works, as our esteemed guest, we invite you to uh, ask a question of myself and Howard, which we can all discuss. Uh, and then Howard will ask a question, which we'll again discuss, and then we'll bring it home to myself. And I'll ask direct a question towards yourself and we'll talk and uh, everybody has a lovely time, I hope. Grand, That's grand, fine. cool. Grand. So with that being said, uh, you have the floor. Feel oh, free to I've ask got the floor for my question. You'd like. yes. question. Okay, very, very um, teacher-like. How far <laughs> does the changed status of Meghan and Harry in British society represent a blow to cultural democracy? Ooh, Ooh. This is an interesting, controversial, <laughs> semi topical, because I would argue this is going to be a subject that will rage on for probably years now, won't it? Yeah, get a good, I think so. I'll get a good stretch out of it, I think, because I mean, this is quite unprecedented for a very long time. Mm. So, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, do we, need, we don't need to explain it for anyone. Everyone knows what's happened. Meghan and Harry said they don't really want to be part of the royal family anymore, right? That's the basic Pretty much. scenario. Yeah. Something like that. Something like that. Um, I just want to check that in terms of how, you, how would you define cultural democracy in this instance in terms of how people feel about it and just their input. Um, I mean, short answer. I feel like it will definitely change it. I mean, I'll do it. Well, I don't know if it would change it necessarily because I, maybe in terms of the, the big argument being about whether there was racial bias in some of the uh, criticism of Meghan, which myself personally, I feel like it's very obvious. Maybe not because of that particularly isolated incident, but I feel like most stories that involve people of colour will involve some level of racial bias. You know, in the same way that there is this weird conflation of black men with weapons, despite the fact that there are no firearms manufactured domestically on the continent of Africa. It's very <laughs> strange that there's that kind of association. So I'd find it very hard to believe that uh, right-wing newspapers wouldn't. If they, if not intentionally themselves, there'd be enough uh, dog whistling within the editorial to generate that kind of racial resentment towards Megan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. when you're thinking of posing that question, uh, Shelley, do you, do you kind of feel that... How, how did it affect you when, when the news kind of broke? And then, and then I guess the other thing about the news was the response to it. Yeah. How did yeah, you yeah. find it? Um, well, I'll roll back to, was it May 2017 when they married? Was it 20, or 18? I've lost track now. 2018? When they, they, when they married? They, oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One, one of the two. One of the two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It's not etched. I haven't got a tattoo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when I saw the, the wedding ceremony and the kinds of exposition of the music mm. and the people that were there and the priest, the, 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 the um, 
yeah, is it um, Reverend Price that mm. gave that amazing sermon? And um, I just thought that um, the bias towards a particular kind of culture um, and a way of representing that culture. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a there was a, an absolute balance between cultures. Yeah. So we had this gospel choir singing um, "Stand by Me" at a at a royal wedding, which thought, was what? Yeah, so in, popular in, in Westminster Abbey. So. Well, but Westminster, it's also worth yeah. pointing out that, that I would say personally, just the, the circles that I've moved in, and even wider. Yeah, that was a very positive response that got. Yeah. People loved people to love see them. that happen rather than, and no offence to people who love the old, you know, hymns. Mm, but mm. That, it was, people really it was, seemed to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to me, that represented cultures um, sort of exposing in, uh, equally. Yeah. Mm. So that's what I meant by cultural democracy in sure. that it wasn't a, a dominant culture that was represented at that ceremony. It represented, um, yeah, I thought there was a real turning point, a real watershed. Culture, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a, to me, it was a real watershed in uh, in how the cultures were going to move forward and come together. And they yeah. came together in that ceremony. I thought that was really symbolic. And now, and now the whole thing's crashed. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But then yeah. I guess you, and you got me. Piers Morgan doing four-hour sessions. <laughs> Four out. Like, honestly, what amazes me? I, I kind of, you know, and I, look, I have to say, as much as he, you know, he's welcome to come on the show, Piers Morgan. We better feel free. But, <laughs> but, but that he is playing a game with the nation's conscience. Mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, that's why I kind of almost admire him in one sense because he's literally just a, a puppet master kind of game playing buffoon. <laughs> he's definitely not, you know, doesn't really care what he's saying, but it sounds to me a lot of the time. But, but he seems to instigate a lot of what we're talking about. Which is, which is even worse. I think, I think acting as a demagogue and rabble-rousing people who are already somewhat polarised is, I think it's the worst, most irresponsible thing you can do. Irresponsible. It's the worst thing he's done since he, he, he falsified photos from Abu Ghraib. Or, um, or tapped um, people's uh, phones. Tapped, yeah. But, in, but see, which, which, you know, which in itself shows, I mean, it makes you question what moral standpoint we are even entertaining critique from mainstream media in the first place. Mm. But for mm. me, yeah, mm. in terms of the cultural democracy, I think mm. that, uh, yeah, I think that was a big part of it, the aesthetic mm. and this combination mm. of cultures. Yes. And maybe there was a uh, element of the fact that it was very kitchen happened uh, quite quickly, that people were more accepting of it. And obviously Americans were excited about it and this mm. merging of, yes. of, yeah. of, oh, merging of, their citizenry with our monarchy. Yeah. Yes. However, you have to look at uh, what have been several shifts in cultural democracy outside of the monarchy that have happened and how that have probably permeated in the negative narrative about Meghan. Because mm. from 2017, between now and 2017, like the the ideological disposition of people in Britain has changed significantly. Mm. Mm. Whether it's in the form of like, stalled Brexit negotiations yeah. or uh, revelations about grooming gangs, which, I mean, which again, as I said, these things for me, these these are all deliberate distractions and dog whistles that are polemicising just mm. for the purpose of well, whoever needs to hide their indiscretions can hide them. So, Well, I mean, do, do you feel that, 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 there's, that things went backwards in some ways, but they probably hadn't got as far forward as we thought. <laughs> that's how it seems to, it seems to feel to a lot of people over the last few years. That that's that's yeah. kind of played out. Like people I think the thought, back, the backwards pe- things probably more. It was people quite thought accurate, steps yeah. had been taken, or people th- thought we you know moved certain conversations forward. Mm. But actually, maybe we hadn't, it's, and maybe they were just lying dormant in yeah. people's souls who weren't listening to them. Well, no, I think that's the thing. Yeah, I think. At that point, I thought, well, have we actually gone forward? When I saw that ceremony, I thought, oh, have we actually gone forward? And mm. I think it's the disappointment to realise that we haven't gone forward yeah. at all. Or maybe it's we have gone forward, but you have to understand that not everyone is, is keen for a progression, I right. find. I think mm. the act was indicative of people going forward, even with the royal family themselves. Mm. What you find, mm. though, is that I find it's the complex of people who uh, want things to stay the same. Yes, and a lot of people, yeah, status quo, and a lot of people derive a lot of their self-esteem in a lot of the more rigid systems in our society. So, when you're a British person, however you feel if you're a part of the peasantry, you've always been able to project your esteem onto the royal family and make that a part of your uh, self-image or your self-worth. Now, if it 
if it shows you that an American mixed race woman is now considered superior to you, now that aggravates what inferiority complex you already may have already have, where you may have been, you know, lost your eligibility for employment or you feel you've lost your eligibility for gainful employment due to immigration mm. and stuff as well. And all it just needs is for that spark, to, for that ember to be fanned mm. by mainstream media. Mm. And it's very easy for people to be able to move that quickly. Mm. You know, what, right. what's yes. always the point of reference, I guess, and, and how it's easy to agitate maybe the right-wing narrative is when you're like, people are like, we're losing our identity, we're losing our country. I can't be this anymore. I can't be that anymore. Now, you could argue in a very harsh way that uh, really, on a, we are, I'd say we're more of a global society than a national one. Mm. So by numbers alone, cultural democracy would mean that your voice is going to be significantly reduced if you're from a small island off of Europe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Punchline, yeah, punchline yes. acquired. Punchline. Because well, that is the argument, isn't it? And, then, and that's what actually makes me kind of like so, uh, you know, it's interesting because we could have had a lot of people bring up this conversation. Yeah. Let's yeah. be honest. Like, everyone mm. seems to have had an opinion about yes, it. Yes, everybody's had an yeah. and, and, and having someone who's, who's got an OBE, it's dangerous. <laughs> Shelley's got an OBE, so we need to be See, careful seen it. here. Yeah, we need to be careful here because, you know, I assume that was a very proud day uh, in many oh, ways. Gosh, yes, yes. And I, yes. I, I would never want to uh, demean or be disrespect anyone who's, you know, who's been given one of those honours. I think, it, you know, it's, it's, if you've had a great achievement I mean, in, your, if in your career, then you deserve, you know... Services to music, I think. That's I an think incredible thing, right? It's an incredible thing. But I think there must be recognition if you, you're contributing to innovating on an art form. That's, that's, that's really it. how we chronicle our humanity, so that's fine. The one issue that kind of comes up, now for, for me, and it's just me as a person, you know, I'm just one guy with a microphone on a podcast, <laughs> is... Hey, I don't really think what we do with the monarchy in the current era is right. I, I would rein it right back in, certainly yeah. financially. Like I'm not, I'm not saying abolish them and 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 you know, you know, <laughs> have a guy forks and like with you know, like don't do anything ridiculous. But there was this family. They got to the throne in a, in a variety of very complicated and convoluted ways, which. You know, we don't really believe we believe in democracy now, don't we? So, like, we don't really we don't really believe in the system yeah. anymore that put them into power. Also there is a huge out, an outwardly secular society as well. Yeah, and mm. and, and, and but in the end, because everything in my mind and my life comes back, you know, before we we start the podcast, we we're talking about the world, you know, still existing, hopefully in a hundred years' time, and everything comes back to resources. And if resources are being ploughed into this kind of you know in, in very extravagant establishment those resources are not going towards things that potentially we could have much better use for. So I'm not saying, you know, let them, you know, be on the breadline, but there's got to be a balance. I mean, they couldn't be if they tried at this particular stage. Just, just <laughs> Very on, nice bread. I mean, current, current, yeah. Harrods bread. That'd be great, yeah. Well, they, the there baguettes. you go. There you go. I'm on the baguette line. I mean, and I'm um, sure they could show up and still get Harrods bread. <laughs> so like, it's not like, and it's not like they can't be put up in like one of their relatives' castles and stuff. But at some point, my point being, you've got to rein all of this stuff in because it isn't really important anymore to me because it's just, it's just the validity of it in our society is just mm. limited. So mm. the idea that what you're saying, Shelley, is, is, is to me, you know, it, it maybe it isn't a blow in some ways because actually the reigning it all back and maybe they've struck the first blow, Harry and, and Meghan. Uh, and I, I, I think that's a big, a big important part of what they've done is that it's a, uh, you know, this is very much a very conceptual idea so far as conceding uh, power or, or, or superiority to an idea like monarchy. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's very clear Meghan is not that person. Mm. She's, yeah. she's not taking that into account when she's, going, she's dealing with it. And uh, What do you yeah. think of her, Meghan, uh, Shirley, uh, from what you've seen? And, uh, and what do you think of how people talk about her? Oh, well, from what I've seen, um, I, I mean, I first heard about uh, Meghan Markle on the news and uh, that Harry was going out with this lady. It was very controversial. I'm thinking, oh, what, what's controversial? And um, so I looked into who Meghan Markle was and I still didn't realise. I thought I didn't realise she was mixed race, even when I saw the photograph. So and then I saw I dug in a bit more. I thought, oh, is that what all the fuss is about? I had no, I had no idea because yeah. I had. I'm not really that interested in yeah. the, those affairs, to, quite yeah. honestly, and I'm not into all that kind of stuff. But um, I thought it was—I just thought it was interesting that um, they had 
they had got together and the whole significance of it. Mm. And um, so I started to watch Suits, which I... Got <laughs> <laughs> one more viewer. Yeah. Got one more viewer. One, more, one million more viewers. Yeah, she's probably, 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 oh. probably done wonders for that show. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I started to watch, oh, oh, that's Meghan Markle. She's a really talented act, actor. Mm. Okay, so she's an actor. And she just seems like a really good thing to me. She seems like a, just a really nice person. And the reaction she's had has been... It's outrageous, she's right? She's totally demonised and to me she just comes across as a really decent woman um I'm really um, regard her high, her values yeah. of life I mean she's just interested in uh democracy and um people having a decent life and um women's issues yeah. and uh well just humanity and the progress of humanity like you would want from- like you'd want in your head of state exactly or a, mem- or a member of your monarchy someone yeah, who's conscientious want, a humanitarian yes altruistic want, yeah. self-made self-made she's an ideal leader so bad I, I don't care about the monarchy and i care about her and i really? and i really defend her and i really admire her and i, I really do not care her. for the monarchy and I, but she's an ideal candidate mm. of any kind of humanitarian or philanthropist with a platform mm. and using it efficiently mm. then yeah i think she's cool well i think if there's such a platform i would like something like her to give some kind of, if, she, if there are leaders that her leadership be made i mean she's, I mean, she's also mixed and you know given that the was it the 44th president was also and oh, the kind of unity that kind of resulted mm. in and uh, jubilation mm. but I, I think that's a big part of the uh, vitriol she kind of dealt with is that as you said you mentioned all of her qualities and unfortunately I think you live in a world of which is capitalist based in a zero sum game where rather than people celebrate her attributes they just resent the fact that it highlights their shortcomings yes. and that, that element yes. is just I was I tell you the, the moment it hit me how kind of um broken <laughs> our, our world is right now is I, I went to a hospital just simple visit nothing major don't worry Dane uh, deep breath yeah. I'm, I'm fine and, and I'm the cat fine. yeah the cat's fine as well okay. I would have gone to the vet for the cat right, cool. but anyway and, um, and I was waiting for the thing and as I was waiting for it um, there's a group of people who work there and two other people who are coming in to visit and the four of them are laying into Megan like this is the week it had happened. Like, lay, like, and I was listening to them. I was being like, "This is brutal." And I was just thinking, God, it's the ultimate irony, isn't it? That they are taking out their absolute, you know, anger or whatever the frustration is in their lives in this building that is clearly underfunded by our government, <laughs> by our government, and all the elements that mean that the NHS doesn't have enough money, but. I imagine there was enough money for the wedding and whatever else the guys needed to do yep. in, the, in the royal family over the last couple of years. And the idea that these people were taking it out on her as though it's some kind of like, oh, she's twisted his, she's twisted his mind. She's twisted yeah. his mind, Dane. It's like, really? Mm, that's that's how I'm, brainwashed we are? And that's what this, I've been hearing. This is, this is how... This it's is, her fault. She's yeah. been totally demonised. There, there you go. It's her fault. Now, keeping yeah. in mind that uh, Prince Charles is now married to his former mistress <laughs> who didn't receive any of the same comparative kind of vitriol. Mm-hmm. I, I'll be honest with you guys. My view is this. There's a lot of people out here who are told that they can marry a prince one day and Meghan actually did it and they can't handle that. <laughs> and, and that's mm-hmm. how I see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And in terms of lot, of, je- lot of jealousy and resentment that's yes. going through that and, yes. uh, you know, the fact that she celebrates... You know, celebrates her her heritage. Her heritage very much. So that was the other the thing. Yes, post democracy, and she celebrates yes. it and she embraces yes. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is where that yes. is where a lot of resentment comes yes. from. There is a real weird uh, mindset of the British where we like an underdog and then like to elevate them to a, pod- uh, a, a pedestal. Yes, and yes. if they can remain what we appear to be uh, thankful for that pedestal, then we begin to tear them down. Yes, yes. So it's a weird ritualistic. Uh, sacrificing of, of maidens that we still do. So And, in, and in terms of cultural democracy, I mean, it, it's certainly a uh, potential blow, isn't it, if we're honest? I think, I think you're right. I think it, that will be the first, uh, that's the first chink in the armour. Mm. And people mm. really have to start reassessing what uh, elements of our culture we derive self-esteem on and how dependent we are for mm. our outward global image. Mm. And mm-hmm. we're going to have to really... Mm-hmm. All right, like the next decade is going to be a lot of work going into determining what, in terms of national identity versus global identity. Yes, yes. So. Mm. 
It's a, I mean, what a great question. What a great really phrasing good. of that question as well. Because someone could have just gone, what do you think about Harry and Meghan then? But that was... That I'm a teacher. <laughs> Open-ended yeah. questions are your forte. That's good. Had to show us the work. students. <laughs> Had to show you our work. Yeah, it's good. If my, any of my students are listening, they'll say you didn't frame that properly. Because yeah, yeah. I've always said to them, you know, with your... <laughs> I just want to let everyone know, listeners, that you, you sent me two versions of that question. Oh, that's, that's how right. That's sure right. you are that you're going to get it right. <laughs> get it right. <laughs> Um, brilliant. I mean, I love that. I love to talk about it in that way because, like, there is a lot of people just kind of banging a quite repetitive drum about it. And hopefully, for that last however many minutes, we weren't just doing what everyone else is doing. We kind of tried to look for the deeper context there. Mm. Yeah, well, I, th- I think we we found something or explored something that hadn't I haven't heard on mm. in the media. Actually, I haven't heard this side of things. Yeah. And, you know, also, I must pay a lot of credit to Dane for keeping incredibly calm in that. Because <laughs> that subject, when it happened, it's been going yeah, on. Yeah. You, on, really? on the social media, you have, um, oh, yeah. you know, the, the fire has been lit. So well yeah. done for keeping it. Mm. Oh, definitely. No, but I've, I think I've got it out then. But, um, yeah, that was nice and cathartic for me. But I think yeah. when you're actually able, able to have the actual discourse and with people who won't have that same agenda or that uh, national bias... Then it's a lot easier to have that conversation. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Openly, I think. Yeah. Mm. Yes. I'm going to ask a question. It's my turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a question that I've thought about for a long time, but I've never had anyone I could ask. Oh. But now I do. <laughs> in, in, in Shirley. And so, um, uh, you know... I I listen to a lot of different kinds of music, as Dane knows. I often talk about it from Bob Dylan to, you know, Wu-Tang Clan and, you know, everything in between in terms of popular music. But as I mentioned to you, I listen to quite a lot of classical stuff, mm-hmm. which is how you've kind of yes. carved this incredible career is through kind of what people term as classical music, I guess, to, to a great extent or, you know, yeah. in that genre. So my, my question is this, could classical music ever go to the top of the popular music charts? Because the theory has to be at some point, even though they didn't have popular music charts back in Beethoven's times, a lot of people must have been like, oh, have you heard that new symphony? Have you heard that new symphony? It's amazing. Oh, no, I haven't called that one. Oh, you need to come over tonight. Obviously, I don't know if they they didn't have record players back then. But, (laughs) but, you know, they must have, um, it must have been the talk of the town, right? Just like Stormzy's album is. Word of mouth would have been massive in Um, those days, I think. You know, there's so much music now that everyone, it's kind of word of mouth. It's probably as big as it's ever been in music in some ways, I think, because word of mouth is social media as well. I I describe it. Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah. And so... Kind of fascinating to think. Yeah. Is there a way? Do you think that classical music could ever be? You know that that I'm walking in down the street and I can hear my, I can hear nothing. You know, just strings pumping in but, someone's ears. <laughs> but it, I'm, I'm trying to look at the, and I guess this might be a question to help as well. Is that we're defining uh, classical music as far as because I mean, is it classical? Because you make contemporary classical music. So is it more music that requires a certain. Uh, amount um, of acoustic instruments and is it open like the classical mm, what makes classical music so yeah music, I'm just wondering yeah. is it a classical paradigm of having your wind instruments and like mm. and the, mm-hmm. et cetera, strings etc or yeah I would say that you you mean sort of um, orchestral music yes. yeah. yeah orchestral yeah. music yeah, yeah. yeah. that's a genre of music because mm-hmm. yeah. you can't have a sim- to me I mean this is me sounding like an idiot now but that's fine <laughs> you've got a doctor here um, but like as a, a symphony you know any symphony I've ever listened to has to have a certain amount of yeah. instrumentation yeah. to yeah. make yeah. it yeah. orchestral music in the case of my from, symphony. Apart from uh, the symphony recorded by the Juice Crew, 
right. back in like the 80s, which is like a rap super group like Cool G Rap and Big <laughs> right. Daddy Kane. Right. But they called it the Symphony. Yeah. Mm. In, the, right. in the 80s? Yeah, I think it was like late 80s. Really? Yeah. Wow. Late 80s, yeah. Wow. I find it progressive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. So 200 uh, orchestral. Uh, yep, for my Symphony. Oh, amazing. Yeah, New Nation Rising, it was 200 people. Wow. Nice. And a chap that. Um, That's a lot of handshakes re- at the end. <laughs> <laughs> recorded uh, the Bond theme. Mm. Um, said to me that I've never used so many mics. <laughs> <laughs> he said he's never worked with such a big orchestra. Wow, it was actually cool. two big choirs and the Royal Philharmonic that's Orchestra. How, how was, how, um, I'd like to know, see the process of like recruiting the members of the orchestra. In my head, I'm, I'm like, you, you visit in various parts of the world. Devil's like, I told you I retired, Dr. Thompson. And you're like, I need you for one more thing. <laughs> one more thing. Remember the symphony I told you it about? Was a, it was a bit like that. <laughs> and they were yeah. like, I mean, one last time, Shirley, for you. It was a bit like that, actually. It was a bit oh, like that's that. That's cool. Because, um, yeah, um, Ian McClay at the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, he's the um, CEO, uh, uh, had to bring in so many people for the work. Um, I said, I need, I like bass lines, so I needed eight double bass instead of four and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, it was quite a process. And, um, you know, when you've got no no um, biases towards a convention, I mean, my idea of having um, a symphony orchestra is that it does actually represent a pop band in that the bass, the bass line is... I try to create a double bass line that is like a bass line, right. uh, an electronic bass, for example, okay. and I treat the inner strings of the orchestra like a, like a, a rhythm section. Right. So you mm-hmm. can do that. So there is a parallel between the pop, popular band, you might yeah. say, mm. and the orchestra. And that's something that I've... Um, that I have in mind when I yeah. when I write. Because I want to uh, say because a few of my friends I haven't been able to make them because I've been working. But a lot of my friends have gone to uh, I guess uh, live uh, performances performances of albums. So for example, uh, like Notorious B.I.G.'s like Ready to Die is performed right. by an orchestra. Or Kanye West like was it? Which one was it? Um, it was College Dropout, yeah. yeah, yeah. And if, so, there's, oh, yeah. so there've been acoustic versions. That's we played those right, things, yeah, and the, yeah. my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy by Kanye as well. Where I guess because he himself will take the opportunity to use kind of orchestral instruments and stuff. So um, yeah, I imagine there's, there's certain probably some similarity in arrangement and stuff. And and in some way, I guess orchestral music in some songs, especially with like ballads, yes, they're probably yes. they're probably more frequent than, than, than people think they are. I guess probably a lot more stuff you can replicate electronically. Well, yeah, but and there's, and there's a few matters of difference, isn't there? Which is quite interesting. I didn't think we were going to get this far into it. But this is almost geek. This <laughs> That's geek. a huge we're question, actually. Yeah, yeah. But um, but if, if you look at if you look at a lot of you know some of the great hip hop music of however many decades, there will be a lot of really perfectly taken string sections that are looped mm. again and yeah, again. Yeah. yeah, and you would never associate that necessarily with a classical piece of music it's just got this yeah. incredible yeah. hook that is built around by the the vocalist but the vocalists is kind of what brings to me uh music most music away from classical music i would yeah. say that oh. classical music to me yes, is not true, uh, uh, anything yeah. that has a lead vocalist and that's why I, th- I think i brought up um mm. ludovico Einaudi, who's probably yeah. the most famous mm. kind of classical modern Excellent. person of you know in history in the last 20 years or so yes and yeah. not for me anymore <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank you. <laughs> he, yeah, outside, yeah, okay, yeah, good point. Um, but he, he, you know, he he seems to have managed to permeate the mainstream yeah. in some ways. And, and but yeah, I think people listen to him to relax. They do, yeah. I've got friends that they'll just say, "I'm going to this to see this this pianist mm-hmm. because they can remember playing a bit of piano at school mm-hmm. and they can relate to the music because I suppose it's it's a bit more accessible." Mm. than an orchestral music, for example. And um, I think that um, there is a curiosity with pop musicians about classical music. It's just that they've not had the exposure to it and they've not had the access. Whereas, so it's a tool. So if you had the tool of an orchestra and you knew how to use that tool, Mm. popular music would engage with orchestral music. Mm. It's just a tool. So I could write popular music writing with, with the tool of the orchestra Mm-hmm. And it would sound orchestral. Mm-hmm. It would sound classical because I know how to use a tool and to make it sound classical. So that's all it is. Mm. So in answer to your question, I do think it's quite possible. I've always thought it possible that uh, um, classical music could 
be at the top of the charts. I don't. There's no reason why not. Mm. Um, it just has to meet meet the mass media, which it hasn't. It hasn't. Because there are certain things that happen, I think, in music, popular music, where I sometimes think the success of the song, uh, particularly often singles, kind of often how it will work, will. Um, Will, 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 we, will we not be based on the, on, on the actual song itself? It's just some little element of it that is... Like, there was a... I, I was talking to someone like this the other day that... <laughs> you remember that Christmas uh, where a song called Mad World from a film uh, called Donnie Darko became number one? Do you remember it, that? The song by... This oh, Christmas. It was a good, good few Christmas ago. Like, like, the R.E.M. song? No, no. Oh. So it did have an rem sound to it, actually, oh. by Gary Jules, who had recorded a film called Donnie Darko with Jake mm. Gyllenhaal, which I was a, a popular film at the time. And there was a song at the end of it, um, which is a rework of a Tears for Fears song called Mad World. Mm. And it was this piano riff. And mm. I remember... It was it was so kind of operatic and and mm-hmm. and actually you ended up hearing the song being used without the lyrics just because the piano was mm-hmm. so mesmer- mesmerizing. Mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. piano is the one instrument that that really does transcend. Seems to in, in, yeah. into classical. Yeah. Everybody and, and comes hobby. across the piano at some point in their lives. Yeah, even at school, or church, wherever. Yeah, or even or- ornamentally. Occasionally as well, mm-hmm. but it will be a challenge for someone to manage to get that. Uh, you know, to kind of let's like we get a Stormzy or just a mm-hmm. dropper, which he's yeah. done. A, a I think he's done minute, as well. I think sixteen-minute yeah. symphony with no lyrics uh, yeah. it would be quite. Yeah. A move. That would be quite, but yeah. it could be done. It yeah. could be done. You don't, stranger In things have happened. The fourth movement of the symphony is a hip-hop movement, right? Called New Nation Rising, and it works with a it it leads with a um, spoken word artist. And this was twenty years ago. Mm. Oh, so, um, it's his thought. I wrote the first hip-hop symphony back in uh, 2002, 2003, when I wrote that. And that was the idea. I used um, the orchestra as you would do a band. Right. So the, the 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 bass instruments were like a bass guitar, and the middle instruments were like a uh, um, rhythm guitar, and so mm. on. Then I had the top strings as playing the tune, and the, the trumpets coming in with a bit. Of God, I'm just hearing you. Talk. Isn't, isn't it very stressful having all of those people? <laughs> no, do you know what I mean? Like that's a lot no, of people. It's really triumphant. It's, it's really yeah, like what like, else is happening? It's like when we're in the, when we're on the outside looking in, we don't really see it, but it's like there's a lot that can be done for that. The composer stick, and I, and I guess if everyone everyone is in, is competent in their own individual way, it's like yeah, yeah. with a football team of eleven people, mm. yeah. like everyone can kind of work and interweave themselves. You've got two hundred people standing there, and you're like, okay, right, can be done. everyone ready? Can you know, That's right. The, yeah. I guess one of the things I saw most recent examples I've seen of like using, well, maybe orchestra, but more, I guess more of a marching band was Beyonce did the Coachella. Mm. Oh, had yeah, like yes, a, had a lot of yes. acoustic uh, instruments with herself, yes. and I see a lot of it in like Caribbean music with like soca music. Still use a lot of like wind yes. instruments, and yeah. still use some a lot of orchestral or acoustic mm. instruments. So yes. I mean, I, I still feel there's certain elements that exist anyway, but it just mm. means for someone to do a more of a pure like symphonic. You're kind of saying, well, that's why it'd be so fascinating, wouldn't it? To think that that could happen, and, and, and it'd be a great challenge to set uh, some of the world's most famous musicians to prove that they could do it. Yes, but the 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 kind of I think the vocal thing is definitely one element that yes, without that the lyrics, you know, yes. listen. If you took the audio, um, the the vocals out of Adele's some of Adele's music, you know, someone like you. Is a you know you could just take you mm. could build a sixteen minute yeah. orchestral piece out of out of that incredibly popular song because the piano is so mesmeric. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. But I also think an element of it because I listen to a lot mm. of, of classical music as well as yes. as well as the Wu Tang Clan. But um, <laughs> but the uh, honestly I can't. It's just um, I mean they use they use a lot of orchestral stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. A lot of sampling. Yeah. But the <laughs> thing that I think potentially is one of the reasons it's so hard to make it kind of accessible. To make to make it at the top of the charts mm. is it's relaxing, and uh, I think uh-huh, uh-huh. that people want to be. I think I know there is that you will find classical music, but I think for a lot of people, a lot of people come to it with a kind of sense of ah, oh, this will chill this out. For, chill I'll put out. this on as I work, or you know, yeah. whatever. There is examples, obviously, of really uplifting, incredibly yeah. kind of like ah, oh, this is yeah. makes you feel alive. Eighteen, yes. twelve. Yes, Tchaikovsky's. Yes, if, yes, if you're looking for a yes. pump in 15 minutes of your life in classical music, that's the yeah, one. Yeah. But generally, it's quite relaxing, isn't it? Well, um, at art school, I mean, I studied composers like um, Penderecki, Stockhausen, mm. um, Lutislavsky, um, and there's a whole period through, really through the whole of the 20th century, where the music was very dissonant and mm. meant to make very angular and far from relaxing. And with as an artist in the 21st century, we've just gone through that 
well, we're still going through that period, that legacy yeah. of what's called um, second Viennese music, modernist music. Mm-hmm. Um, what can I equate it to? I don't know, maybe a Damien Hirst right. type. Oh, yeah. So we're still in classic, in, in the art music mm-hmm. um, world, we are still in that kind of era where you're listening to music that's not at all relaxing. Yeah. It's much more about what are we... Um, how are these sounds coming together and how angular are they and how dissonant are they? Mm. Um, so the art music world and the more commercially um, classical uh, world are poles apart. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I op- operate between the two, two lanes, really, because um, I'm interested in classical music that people universally will relate to the mass media will we'll understand it um, and relate to it. But mm. there is that whole what's that whole lane that's going on that the everyday person doesn't know about. Traditional enthusiasts, the, yeah, the, FM the, obsessives. Well, not even on classic, it would right, never be played be, on classic no, FM. No, no, right, it would so be Radio 3, very, very right, esoteric right. Oh, stuff okay, cool. yeah, yeah. that Same you never obscure. hear. Yeah, that you don't really hear. Mm. But that's what's being pushed in the contemporary classical music world right. and the great debate is as, is as to whether this music will stand the test of time but it's not but nobody in the world has heard it <laughs> mm. so I don't know if it will stand the test of time because um, they might discover it uh, I mean I, I don't know what it will take for it to require rediscovery I hope nothing too drastic <laughs> but the thing is in the art world people are looking you know Tracy Emin and Damien mm. Hurst they're all admired yeah. but you've got the parallel in in the in the classical music world, they've hit the mass media, but that hasn't happened yeah. with classical art music. Well, I, I take the one <clears throat> footnote I have to all of this is movie soundtracks. That's the mm-hmm. one guaranteed yeah. way yeah. to yeah. get me. I have listened to Hans Zimmer live yes. in Stockholm, which is on yes. Spotify, everyone. Yeah. Yes. And if you want a really intense experience for your morning commute, yeah. Yeah. Is it, is yeah. it, uh, go Mark, and put Mark, the Dark Knight medley on. And then Mark, yes. Mark Silvestri yeah. is the other guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, there's some amazing people in... Um, the guy who did the film Moon... Yes. Um, the the oh, soundtrack yes. to that, yes. the British guy, who yes. I thought absolutely nailed it. And there were, one of my favourite soundtracks, film movie tracks, is There Will Be Blood by Johnny Greenwood. Yes. Oh, yeah, oh my, I couldn't yeah, believe really it. Good. So he somehow has captured all of that modernist aesthetic that yeah. I'm used to listening to in that very esoteric, mm. esoteric lane and fused it with the contemporary. Mm. Yeah. It and was, I, it was Clint Mansell, by the way, who did the Moon soundtrack. Yes, <laughs> yes, I remember. Did he get? I think he was awarded for that. Yeah, it yeah. was very successful. He was awarded yeah. for that. So for me, yes, going forward, uh, there's orchestral music in film music, yeah. uh, which is how I was drawn to classical music in the first place. I was drawn to classical music to picture, and then I learned an instrument at school, and um, I think. Um, Although there's a lot more sort of hybrid kind of film music now where they're using tracks by Jay-Z or whatever and whatever, mm. as well as the sort of scored stuff, I think what just people like Johnny Greenwood achieved for There Will Be Blood mm. is the way forward that's taking everybody with with them. Yeah. Wow. Cool. I got a very good answer there, Dane. I think so. I asked quite a complicated question. It seemed quite simple on the surface, but I realised as soon as we started unpeeling the onion, (laughs) there was a lot. lot It's not straightforward. It's putting together a symphony. That's the thing, thing, compare it to like a pop song. Pop songs are on average like between uh, two and three minutes Hmm. with a classical uh, structure of having like, you know, chorus, hook, chorus, hook. You know, I know it's a sign that I'm getting old. I know it's a sign that I'm getting old that I don't like what I hear on the radio. But I'm going to try and not swear yeah. in the presence of a doctor. But <laughs> I'm sure it's it fine. Is, it's good for you. Profanity is good for you. But, yeah, yeah, but it is shockingly average. Yeah. A lot of what I'm hearing. Yeah, I would say so. And if you think I'm old, fine. But you know what? It, it's like I'm listening to like an auto-tuned kind of like desensitized. It's like they've taken away all the character from every element of this music to make it as sanitized as possible so that people aren't offended by it in any way. It's well, no, it's not just offended. It's, it's I mean, I think, I think we're at a stage now where uh, radios are so beholden to like the advertisers and the like that it just, okay. it just has to be enough to keep you paying attention. What's happened, in my opinion, what's happened to music and the evolution of it now is that we used to, everybody used to learn about music at school. Right. Mm. The generation now haven't, don't, haven't been true. taught 
any music whatsoever. Yeah. They've been taught how to play a keyboard, which is a very different thing to knowing how to, how music comes together. Yeah. So there's no music, no grammar. They, mm. There's no idea of what music is about. Sure. And so they're just using the tools that they have to create. Uh, well, a lot of tools are very much pre-programmed, mm. which is uh, kind of brings me on to the question I wanted to ask. Uh-huh. Because nice. Nice I, feel, I feel like I have not, uh, I would like to thought I should have been a lot more aware of you as a creative and music is a very interesting one where the diaspora is concerned, I feel, because it might arguably be one of the only ways we're aware of where for our achievements we receive the same level of esteem or opportunities for mobility than our, content- our peers. We do, I mean, we do it so well that I feel like where we may be catching up in many respects to, like, you know, global society, musically and sonically, where culturally. T- mm-hmm. culturally we are like mm-hmm. 20 years ahead considering you know and it's come from having no culture to create in your own mm-hmm. and yeah sonically definitely excel however with that being said as i'm sure you are aware there's a somewhat of a disconnect with the dispute diaspora and classical music and we've seen so as as, it, as and i said in the same way that like you know Jimi hendrix arguably created metal mm-hmm. but your yes average lay black black male wouldn't think it's we're for them. To it. Well, we're connected to it. Mm. Or Chuck Berry, or Sister Rosetta Tharp with rock and roll. Yes, and then who Chuck started Berry the whole rock and yes. tried the whole rock and roll. And yes. again, then I now would be around most black men now would consider having an electric guitar to be nuanced or to be like alternative, mm-hmm. even though it began with us. I think it's all about marketing. Yeah, part of it. So, so Loretta wasn't exposed. I mean. The Beatles were exposed, yeah. and ro- um, all all Stones, those bands were Stones, exposed. Suppose, the yeah. Stones—they're all exposed, and so, yeah. My question: we just we just don't get the exposure. We don't get the exposure, yeah. So, so you it's know, all about exposure. The, and British, the British invasion was part of it. So yeah, my question is: um, given you know how well we're arguably able to excel musically, and obviously even given the ma- massive Jamaican influence that contemporary music has, uh, how do you think, or do you think there is? a positive uh, correlation between now like having a lot more autonomy with music and more black people getting involved in music or if you don't think there is and I guess the better way of phrasing the question is what would you do to get more black kids into orchestral slash classical music well um, I've been talking about the origins of classical music as coming out of Africa mm-hmm. so for example the early trumpet yes it was out of Africa, it was out of Egypt. Yep. I don't know if you saw a program on on Ethiopia recently where um you saw the um the um the, the Ark of, of the Covenant. The Ark the Ark of the Covenant yeah. being transported from one place to another place and it was um accompanied by six trumpets. Mm-hmm. Um so this has all been a marketing as well. So yeah. the elements, the components of the symphony orchestra came out of the um, djembe, which was a one-stringed instrument, which became the violin. Mm-hmm. So all of these instruments actually came out of Africa. So I think once um, people are educated to know their educated mm-hmm. to know their history, yeah. then I'll think, hang on, so I'm a part of this. Yeah. So I mean, I when I studied um, my first degree, I felt very isolated because I I couldn't find a way. I couldn't find my culture within the European, uh, the predominantly, the, the way that the, the, the music was presented. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was reading Richard Wright. I was reading James Baldwin at the time. I was reading all this literature out of um, an African heritage. And there was no sign of an African heritage in the music history, music historiography. But what had happened was... I hadn't, it hadn't been written into the historiography, hadn't been written into the textbooks. So what needs to happen now is that all these innovations that came from um, Florence Price, there were, there were many um, composers with African heritage that contributed to classical music that have not been acknowledged. Yeah. Um, so uh, one of the things I have been doing as an academic is to introduce those people. In fact, I'm doing a programme with, um, BBC um, about the contribution that persons of African um, heritage mm-hmm. 
actually, I do believe that we all have African heritage, oh, yeah. but um, but people have... <laughs> it's a scientific fact, Dr. Thompson. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we all have an African heritage, but maybe a visible African mm. heritage. And I'm trying to find my, my way around all these concepts because I believe that we're all diaspora. Everybody in America <laughs> comes from somewhere. Yeah. Everybody from England comes from somewhere. Yeah. Um, so I think we're all diaspora. I don't mm. actually... Um, um, go with that word diaspora and what's the other word I cannot bear B-A-M-E and all that stuff <laughs> yeah. um, I don't it's a, it's a contentious one yes so, yes yeah. yes and I think well I think we need to change some of this this, this language so yeah. um, so it's about educate for me it's about education and rewriting mm. uh-huh. yeah just rewriting the history and do, then people do you foresee any has there been any opposition or adversity you found in making people aware of the significant African contribution to classical music. Oh yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, is it yes, debated? Is it, is it, is I it, say is this because I, I got a tweet recently. I can't remember what the subject matter I was discussing. I think I was talking about music, and the guy trolled tweeted me and said, uh, "All music begins with uh, Beethoven." Yeah, see, and that was my response because I was like, but then Beethoven's father himself, was, his grandfather, was a musician. So then it oh. means even then it couldn't have begun with him because his. You know, his elder patriarch thousands already was a musician. Thousands of years back. Thousands of years back. Uh, well, of course. Of, of, years back. of course. Like, you know. And, and even in Ben-Hur, they have like the depiction of like using the drums for the yeah, rowing and stuff. Drums, and, trumpets, yeah. violins. With, Horns well, for war and stuff. That's You'd right. People the, keeping the tempo the of war. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, yes, uh, yes. It's just that when, you know, we're just not educated enough. I mean, I've had to, to do my own research to find, looking at pictures, think, ah. Oh, mm-hmm. um, but I also think there's such a, <clears throat> in Britain, there's such a uh, weird or, you know, uh, unfair representation of, uh, you know, black British artists throughout mu- British music history. It, 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 if you actually kind of go, you know, the 20th century and look, let's say that was this incredible booming time, right, where people became free in a way that they never, you know, didn't think of what it became just mm. in the 20th century music, mm. right? Mm. It's kind of amazing because you could take it home with you. It's probably the, <laughs> it's probably the reason, right? <laughs> but... Uh, it, when you connect that to what happened in America, you look at the influence of Motown, Michael Jackson, obviously. Yeah, but that was all under Jim Crow. Yeah, of course. Which is yeah. But the, but the, the impact, I think, and 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 the kind of list of of kind of credible yeah. names and artists. Yeah, but that, what I've been saying is there was influence of. African persons of African heritage at least 300 years before that mm, mm. on classical music on the on the beginnings of uh, popular music I mean let's be honest like well before the to be blunt even if you were a chattel slave you had to play instruments that's true even well, back yes, then well, even though you weren't allowed to read or be educated but you'd have to mm. learn you know well, to you be did, very yes, yeah because yes. and also in order for you to be singing uh, you know songs of uh, I guess uh, to ease your suffering requires a certain level of harmonisation as well. Absolutely. So That's where we got the um, those gospel songs from, and yeah, yeah, well, and the drums themselves. Mm-hmm. Was mm-hmm. the but instruments as well? Song. Because yeah. um, I wrote uh, a work called Queen Nanny of the Maroons from Jamaica, mm-hmm. and um, I use an instrument called the abeng in that piece, and it's probably the ancestor of the French horn. Mm-hmm. In certain in, in timbre, in sound, and that's from the six, 15th, 16th century, and probably way before that. Yeah. So, um, I mean, instruments have always been used in cultures. Yeah. Um, and, and especially the African culture used all oh, of those exactly. the strings, the, drum, yeah. the, the horns, the percussion, um, the, the brass. All those elements were used thousands of years ago. Oh, yeah, percussion definitely has been a very and, big part. And the of trumpet. I mean, and yeah. the, the horns. All of mm. those things. Remember, a lot of these things are have a, Bible, a biblical depiction. So yes, it must, so it yes. must have been. Yes, so. yeah, that's right. That's right. So how easy do you think it will be to re-educate the population? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of resistance. And just like in the way that um, Meghan Markle has been resisted because she's highly educated. And, um, and unapologetic about and it. And unapologetic and proud of her heritage. Um, if you're perceived to be proud of your heritage, as I am within the classical music domain, then there is a lot of resistance. There's a lot mm. of resistance to my voice. Mm-hmm. Whereas there aren't to other people who are doing the same thing, yeah. but they're not, they're, they're not um, trumpeting the, the, the culture because it's not 
a culture that they trumpet. They're yeah. not interested. Mm-hmm. So there, there is a way of, of dampening a voice like mine, mm. um, which has been, happened for a long time. And I'm aware I, of it. I can relate. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, because as I mean, I just feel like it's, it all comes down to this idea of self-image and representation where, you know, it's, there's this very, uh, very subversive suggestion that like there's a lot more of a refinement or sophistication that comes with like classical orchestral music. And with that same narrative, it tends to like downplay or reduce innovations in contemporary music, which, you know, a lot of black creatives are responsible for. But I'm also saying also in classical music. Yeah, yeah. There have been. Which I mean, but, but I'm well. saying where classical music was an issue is the fact that part of this brainwashing is like a lot of black people don't associate Realize. our own proficiency with orchestral music. Because of the education, lack yeah, of yeah. education. And, so it needs and information, to... I should say, lack yeah. of information. But um, it's getting out there. It's getting out there. Well, well, it would shock a lot of people, wouldn't it, as well? I guess to realise the kind of facts behind it or not. Yeah, I it's think it would, shocking. I think it, definitely, you, I think it you, definitely would. Yeah. I think for somebody to be, whether or not he was drunk, I don't know, but for him to suggest that music begins with Beethoven <laughs> is, uh, is crazy. Was that on a proper platform saying? Nah, just on a dude on social but, media. Oh, yeah. but, oh. the, but the, the, what was being said before about education is in schools, you know, kind of music, the lesson of music... I remember, I don't know if Dane would agree, was kind of so redundant mm. of any value. Yeah. Of, you know, I would. I used to think about how I just prefer it just to be show and tell. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like literally, because pretty much everyone has some music going on in their family mm. background in somewhere or another. Yeah, yes. Just to kind of have the kids just come in and say, this is what my uncle listen to or you know, this is what this yeah. we listened to at my aunt's house the other day it would have made that would it be, cultural it would have made it more interesting yeah, than, than literally a man trying to teach me how to play the xylophone for four years and me going well I, I can't I'm, I'm rubbish at it I've got no rhythm and you know <laughs> and that, it, was, it was just a waste of time I can't even I genuinely can't even remember half yeah. time what I was being instructed yeah. to do in music yeah like three years right I did yeah. three years seven to nine yeah. I did the same mm. I, I um I can't remember a thing. I recall. Well, I, we had a, I remember we had quite a good uh, music department at my school. I remember a few of my classmates were in the centre. We used to go to the centre for young musicians on a weekend. Oh, really? Called yeah. my friend Solomon. He's from Saint Lucia, and he used to play the trombone. Wow! And we'd always make make sure it's a clear distinction between that and the trumpet, because hmm. yes, the, there is the less learned <laughs> the less learned person would be wouldn't be aware of it. But I just remember being in the music uh, room, and on the wall, I think they had like. Well, the most known classical composers have been like Vivaldi, Bach, uh, Chopin, and Mozart. Mm. Uh, yes. And then uh, they had all of the wind instruments and all the string instruments, and then the percussion. So I'd be trying to memorize them because my mind tends to wander a lot. Mm. You were but, curious. Um, but I was curious. Yeah, I, you were curious. I mean, he's still Still, I think, I think yeah. most comedians that are worth their weight in gold have uh, their music nuts. And we have a real fixate and, and, and a real obsession with music. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in the same way, I, I think a lot that. of musicians like to uh, punctuate their creations or their narrative with humour. So, because yeah. it's, yes. it's almost like it's a way of feeling dead air. But a symphony is probably very different in terms of a symphony like that can be ongoing and the uh, crests and troughs of the piece are reflected in the music itself. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think yes. with more contemporary music, because it follows a more classic structure where you have like chorus yes. first. Chorus, yes. verse, mm. bridge, coda. When hip hop, mm. even yeah, and in hip hop, yeah, it's the fifty-two and the, yeah. the hooks. So, in between that, people might try and have this audience interaction, where I think a lot of that is done by the uh, instruments themselves, mm-hmm. which is why mm. orchestral music is so frequently used for like scoring of films. Yes. Um, yes. So yeah, for me, it's like yeah, I'm really interested in it because I think like arrangement and composition, like they're really, uh, I think they're really downplayed skills that we have in music today. And, uh, I totally yeah. agree. My favorite, my favorite musician is Babyface. Oh, I say that because, really? yeah, Kenneth Edmonds, because, like, I guess I grew up in the 90s and that's my favorite type of music. But for me, it was like, there's a mind behind all of this. Yes. And yes. that's what I really yes. admire. And not taking yes. away from the artist and the, who, obviously, vocal talent in itself. And I think, you know, even you, your voice being an instrument is a very, is a very uh, special skill to have. But I just think that as somebody who was able to, with his understanding, because you know he started with like uh, um, Parliament Funkadelic as well. Like so, Bootsy Collins gave uh, uh, Baby Babyface his name. Yeah, yeah, because oh, Funkadelic. Yeah, because oh. he, he started off with them as well. And then oh, oh what was the band? Was, and he was in the band before as well. Hmm. 
but I think it was After Seven with his brother as well, and then another oh. group called Milestone. But like anyone who likes nineties R and B, like it was yes. Baby Babyface pretty much wrote all of it. So whether it's Boys to Men or Bobby Brown and Tevin Campbell, mm. TLC, still sounds good. Yeah, still, still like, Pebbles. Yeah, it yes. still yeah. Yes. So for me, it's like that mind to create mm. such a such a much larger thing has always been a very much a big influence on mm. how I yes. tried to write comedy and stuff as well. Is that it's like you know the apex of it has been yes. able to create the best kind of aesthetic. But can I take that skill? And work adroitly with somebody else to realize their their uh, comedy and stuff as well. So, but but at the same time, for me, it's like I think it's not just important for you know my peers to enjoy contemporary music. It's to be aware that this the richness of our legacy and how and our aptitude for our sonic aptitude and how we understand music is so advanced that like it's fine for you to enjoy contemporary music now, but you need to be aware of how many things have you know. Kind of before. been, yeah, yeah. Come before this. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, so Absolutely. I think it's the same. I think that's really important. important really you important. Do. And hopefully, well, as your work continues in these coming years, uh, more and more people will become educated about. I mean, you've educated me and Dane, I'm sure, in a couple oh, of Oh, most today. definitely, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I thought I knew quite a lot about classical music, but I feel like now, <laughs> less I think so. your seven year run as one of the most influential black people in Britain has been underplayed to criminal levels so oh. I'm going to make it a point of principle so that everyone knows who you are oh wow yeah. um, thank you it's actually te- my 10 year anniversary on the most influential list. <gasps> how it's, is, how it's is now celebrating? 2010 to, 20, to 2020 I was in this year's oh, list wow, wow. I've made it on this it's my 10 year congratulations and thank you so who, much who's above Dave? you I want to know <laughs> <laughs> what's so special about them <laughs> <laughs> it's been a the God <laughs> almighty <laughs> I can't argue with him. I can't argue with God. So. It's been a, an incredibly interesting talk. I mean, this is what makes our show so enjoyable. Why we keep making it is because we get to talk to so many different people. It's mm. been fascinating. Yeah, well, I was so fascinated listening to your other shows. Actually, as well. Ah, thank yeah. you. Very well, interesting. Joining that, you know, oh. that great yeah. alumni. No, no, and our, our I'm path, path to of creatives, and uh, I'm very, honored. very grateful for you to come, uh, Dr. Thompson. I would oh, ask. Thank, uh, thank you for our New Nation Rising CD, you're which we will promote. Welcome. Yeah. Um, Enjoy it. Obviously, your anthology of work is maybe too numerous to mention in one go. <laughs> but where can uh, people find out more stuff and find out more of your creations? Because obviously, you know, worked, uh, filmmaker as well. So where can we find out? Uh, where can we find the stuff? Is there a central location, or, or where yeah. can we find? Um, there are two of my films at the BFI. Mm-hmm. So if you were to look on their um, website or direct- directory directory um i have a couple of films there um but um my works are with the publisher deus music d-e-u-s-s um and they are my publishers and on itunes amazon all the usual digital platforms but i need to do much more about that Really, we'll, we'll get it done. <laughs> you, you, you did the first one, and we, we will pass it on. Word of mouth is very so effective much. in social uh, Thank media. Thank you so much, much appreciated. Um, it's been an absolute joy, hasn't it? It has definitely. Thank oh, you so I'm much. I was going to say, Rhapsody in Blue. Well, that's, the one, oh. that's the one bit of classical music I haven't brought up. I never tire of that, right? Oh, that's a fabulous piece of music. It's just come, it's just coming to legal rights for the everyone can use it for everyone uh, they want. To uh-huh. do a remix. I right. still think that's the most amazing song I've ever yeah, heard. It really is. It really if is. Go, if you if you can make it and now everybody can enjoy it, then yeah. that's how you leave your legacy to humanity. So mm-hmm. yeah, keep keep the art coming, everybody. Great stuff. Thanks so much again. Thank you. It's an honour. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste. For more from Dane, go to danebaptiste.co.uk or follow him at danebaptweets. Our guest was Dr. Shirley Thompson. You can follow Shirley on Twitter at ShirleyJTMusic. The show is produced by me, Howard Cohen. You can follow me on Twitter at the Howard Cohen. Thanks to Polly and Gelly. Hey, if you like what you've been listening to, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Thanks for listening. And remember, question everything. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.